It's a great day to be here today. I hope you had an incredible Thanksgiving. It may have looked a little different this year. I don't know about you guys. My Thanksgiving looked a little bit different. Maybe it was your immediate family that was together. Maybe you had to social distance from grandma. Maybe you had to wear a mask. I don't know how it worked in your house, but eating while wearing a mask is not a fun activity. It did not go too well in my household. But man, even in the midst of 2020, I'm so glad we got to celebrate all that we can be thankful for this year. I mean, so many good things that God has done. When I go home, I begin to reminisce a little bit on what it looked like growing up in the Hickman household. As we were home, I saw a trophy the other day and it made me think back to my childhood. So for me, I remember playing baseball as a young child and every year I'd get this same one tier trophy. It was this like little stick figure golden guy who had a bat. I mean, it looks like he's never lifted weights before in his life. It's a real skinny dude. One year I got a trophy that had a bobblehead on it and I was pumped. Like I was so excited that my trophy could move. It was so exciting. And I'm just going to put my cards on the table this morning for you guys. I am a millennial. Ooh. Ooh. And, and really the reason I say that is kind of the stereotype of my generation is this phrase participation trophy. Now, some of you millennials are like, I did not receive a participation trophy. And I'm like, hey, I received a ton of them. It was awesome. Like, if you see my room, I mean, it wasn't that I was a good athlete. It's that I played a lot of sports. I mean, I got soccer trophies, baseball trophies, basketball trophies, football trophies, not because we won, not because I was the MVP, because I played. And it was great. I remember once fifth grade, about to go into middle school football. I mean, we're all so excited. We had that year, white jerseys, maroon letters. Again, this is league football, eight total games. My team scored a total, total of two touchdowns all season. Two, 12 points. We probably didn't even make the two-point conversion or obviously we're not kicking field goals in fifth grade. That'd be, we probably had a better chance kicking field goals, honestly, than scoring touchdowns, but that's neither here nor there. And at the end of the season, though we had only won, not won, scored, Two times, I got a trophy the size of the champions. And it was, it was awesome. It was like, man, I did it. I, did, I played football. It was, oh. And today for you sitting in this room or watching online, as the year 2020 comes to a close, it feels as if we should get a participation trophy. I mean, you've almost made it. Like we're about to be in December, guys. It's crazy. Think back to what it was like months and months ago. I mean, on your way out, you may receive a participation trophy. It's gonna be a gold Clorox bottle or maybe a Germex bottle. It could be even gold toilet paper spray paint. I mean, remember when we fought over that years, like months ago? Like it was the craziest year. And though this year has gone by, in some instances, really, really slow, and in other instances, really, really quick, I think today God has a word for us. So my challenge to you is this, to dive in, to lean in in this moment, and instead of wishing 2020 would just come to a close, just be over, and we can finally put 2021 and put a close on this year, how about we lean in to what God has for us today? Today we're going to open up to the book of John. I'll give you a head start. John chapter 1. And it's kind of the roadmap for the morning so you know where we're going. We're gonna start in John chapter one in the very first verse. And a little bit later, we're gonna jump to the almost tail end of the book, the second to last chapter, John 
chapter 20. Now, if you've ever read John before, you'll notice that it's a very different gospel. It's still considered one of the four gospels, but it's different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're writing these details and their stories are very similar. John is just like throws it out the window. He's like, here's, here's what I saw. Here's what I believed. Here's what I witnessed. And he says his purpose in doing this is not to be different, not to be the one outcast of the group, but so that people would believe in Jesus. So today we, we lean in with that same expectation that people would come to know Jesus. John Chapter one, if you would, if you're willing and able, would you stand with me as we read God's word together? And really we do this for two reasons. One, we do this out of reverence for God, but secondly, and even more importantly, we do it because we are standing on the promises that God has fulfilled, that he is fulfilling today, and that he will fulfill forevermore. John chapter one. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of only the Son, from the Father, full of grace and truth. Would you guys pray with me this morning? Dear God, I thank you for who you are. God, even in the midst of a chaotic year, even in the midst of maybe some of the the lowest lows we have ever felt, God, even maybe in the midst of some of the highest highs we've ever felt, God, I pray that today you would meet us right where we are that you would allow us not to just wish this season away so that we can get to 2021, but that we can see that the light has come and we can rejoice and have hope and have peace through this light. God, I pray that you just open up this word to everybody listening today, that you would help it search their heart and that they would grow closer to you through it. And it's in your son's incredible name I pray, amen. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. Thank you for standing. So this morning, again, as we track through John chapter one and then jump to 20 in a little bit, the bedrock truth you need to have throughout the entire morning is this, Jesus is the true light of the world. Jesus Christ is the true light of the world. And some of you are like, hey, sellers, I know you're trying to like show me in scripture where this is, but I don't see Jesus' name mentioned once. Well, John uses this kind of um, term to help get his point across. He uses the term word. And if you look in your Bible in verse one, you'll notice that the word word has a capital W. It's the Greek word logos, which means word. See, John here is trying to say that in the beginning was the word of God. It was Jesus. 
And you see that explicitly stated in verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. See, Jesus Christ is the true light of the world. We have to cling to that throughout this entire morning because this is what guides us. And the interesting thing here, again, John opens this book differently. He doesn't tell you about the virgin birth. He doesn't list the genealogy of the humans that led to Jesus. No, he starts back at the beginning of time at the creation and says, Jesus was there. Jesus, the son of God, was active in creating you and I, not just God the Father, but God the Son and God the Spirit were active in the creation narrative. And just as Christ had done thousands of years ago in the beginning, he enters the scene here as well to give life. Why? Because light gives life. If you're taking notes, light gives life. And for you and I, I mean, yes, we get that on a basic level, but for the people that John was writing to, this was a deep, deep knowledge of understanding here. Because light was everything. I mean, the sunrise and the sunset guided their day. If they were going somewhere dark, they had to have fire to light the way. Again, if we use fire, the light had to be there, the fire had to be there to cook the food. See, for them, light was literally life. Now, for us, it's a little easier here in 2020. I mean, I can walk over and just flip the switch and we got the lights on now. But when I realize that light gives life, literally just the way my body responds is around this time of year when we go back to standard time. Man, I was so pumped a few weeks ago that we got an extra hour of sleep. How many of you were like, oh, this was great. Man, it was so much fun getting an extra hour. I may have like not even really used it, but it was great knowing I had it. And here we are about a month later and the sun sets at 5.30 and I'm like, God, please take that hour back. I, I'll trade it. Like, please give me the sun longer because I wake up and it's dark and I go to sleep and it's dark and it's, it seems like darkness has enveloped every bit of my life. I mean, literally, it, it's seven o'clock and I wanna go to bed, not because I'm old, but because the sun went down at 5.30. And it's like, dang, the sun's been down for hours. I guess it's bedtime now. See, light gives life. It fuels us. It guides us. And really, when we look at this passage, we're gonna really key in today on nine through, or 10 through 13, and we see this true light of the world, and there's two responses somebody can have to the true light of the world, Jesus Christ. The first one is this, they can reject the light. Truly, again, two responses. The first is that somebody can reject the light, and we see that in verses 10 and 11. It says, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Again, specifically in this context, we're talking about Jesus here who came to the world. Remember that John just said he created. He came in particular to his chosen people, the Israelites, the Jews, God's chosen people, and they have been groaning and waiting and longing for this Messiah. They've heard these prophets say the Messiah is coming. He will bring life. He will bring peace. He is the person that we lean towards. And though they were his chosen people, they rejected him. 
a people of his own. It's like this in, in a month, Hannah, and my wife and I will go to Dyersburg, Tennessee, where my family lives. And we lived there um, since I was about 10 years old and we'll have to pack the car. So I don't know about you guys, but my wife and I are both chronic overpackers. So we'll be there probably seven days and have 20 outfits each along with it being Christmas, and we'll probably get a few more clothes, but we just gotta make sure, I mean, gotta have an outfit for every occasion, right? You don't know how you're feeling, I don't know. So we're gonna pack the car. It's gonna probably take a little bit, to be honest. So we'll load up the bags, we'll stick them in the car. We got our little puppy, we'll load Sadie up, we'll drive six hours to Dyersburg, Tennessee. We'll pull in the driveway, just exhausted, sore, probably frustrated, we're out of music, we don't know what to talk about anymore. We go to the front door, because I don't have a garage door opener or a key anymore, and we go and knock on the door, ring the doorbell. Bags in hand, puppy at our feet, so excited to be home. And both mom and dad open the door and with a cold stare, they say, can I help you? Mom, dad, it's, it's me, it's Cell, it's, it's Hannah, we're, we're here for Christmas, we're home. What's going on? Home? Not here. I know, I know a good hotel down the road. Like I, I can recommend it to you. The Motel 6, I mean, I heard it's kind of nice. Like, what if you stay there? Because we don't have any room here. And I don't know what this home you talk about is. So Hannah and I load up our bags and our puppy and jump back in the car because we were rejected from a place. I mean, again, I got trophies on the wall at that place and it's not home. In a similar way, Christ came into the world that he helped create and was rejected by men. See, he came to the very people that he helped create their ears and they could not hear him. He came to the people who he helped create their eyes and they could not see him. Jesus Christ, the savior of the world, rejected by men. So that's one way people can respond to light is they can reject the true light. And we see also in this passage that there's another response, not just to reject the light, but to receive the light. To receive the light. And we see that in verses 12 and 13. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. See, there are people who receive the light. They begin to believe in what Christ has done and begin to follow him with all that they are. And I think it's interesting here, instead of John just getting to the point saying, hey, this is how you become a child of God right here. Instead, he lists a few ways that somebody doesn't become a child of God. Three in particular, all in verse 13. First, he says that it's not of blood. Now for us, what that ultimately means is we do not receive Christ because of our family status. Our family status isn't what helps us to receive Christ to become a child of God. And again, if we're taking the initial context of this book, John writing to these Jewish believers right here, again saying, just because you were an Israelite, because you were God's chosen people, doesn't mean that you automatically receive the Messiah. You have to follow him. 
for us, we're pretty lucky in that deal. Because I don't, I don't know how many of you in the room may can fall into the Jewish lineage, but I myself do not. So I would be excluded from this opportunity if it was only by family status. See, the Gentiles, the non-believers were welcomed in to the family of God on same equal standing because it wasn't about family status. Now, for modern day context, for those of you listening in the room or online, what this looks like is ultimately, again, our family status doesn't save us. For the children listening, that, doesn't, that means that your parents' faith isn't the one thing that saves you. And for those of you adults who are in the room, that means that your children's faith in the same way is not what allows you to become a child of God. See, that's the first thing. It's our, not our family status that allows us to become a child of God. Secondly, in this verse, he says, nor of the will of the flesh. See, we see that ultimately we do not receive Christ by our morality. We don't just receive Christ because we were good people. Again, if we look at the Israelite lineage, the Jews following God, doing the Ten Commandments, knowing right from wrong, that's not what saved them. And in the same way for us, having a good moral compass isn't what saves us. Being a generally good person isn't what gains us a relationship with Christ. What we'd say in Dyersburg is just being a good old country boy ain't what saves you. We know that our morality isn't what does it. So if it's not our family status, if it's not our morality, there's a third thing that John says that it's not. He says, nor of the will of man. Ultimately, we know that we do not receive Christ by our good deeds. We don't receive Christ just because of our good deeds, our good actions, the things that we do well. Again, if you think back to this context here, the people who are doing the right thing, the people who are following the Ten Commandments, the people who are being a good, nice, loving person, that's not what does it. For us today, we know that our actions are not what save us, no matter how good they are. Again, even to, to be just straightforward with you, it's not our, even our religious actions that save us. Going to church, reading the Bible, these are incredibly good things that we do to come closer to Christ, but doing these in and of themselves are not what bring us to the Lord. So how do we become a child of God if it's not our family status, if it's not our morality, if it's not our good deeds, how do we become a child of God? Ultimately, John says that we receive Christ by the grace of God. By the grace of God. See, they received him, they believed in him, and they were given the right to become a child of God. Does that humble you a little bit? Because it almost floors me the fact that I was given grace when I did not deserve it. See, we come to know the Lord by grace, through faith, in response to what he has done for us. We follow after him. And it floors me. It's humbling to see that I didn't do anything to deserve it. Nothing I could do could get me in. It was only grace unmerited that was given to me that allows me to become a child of God. 
See, we've talked about two categories today. Again, those who reject the true light and those who receive the true light. And just like it was when John was writing this, still today, there's only two camps you can be in, one or the other. So for those of you who may say, hey, I fall in that first camp, I may not use the word to reject Christ, but maybe I'm not following him. Maybe I'm not believing in him. Maybe I love the things that I'm doing more than I want to love God. Let me give you today the best gift you can ever receive. I want to offer you Christ. I want to offer you Jesus Christ, the savior who came, was born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, died on the cross hanging for your sins and mine, rose again, defeating death, emptying the grave so that we can have a relationship with him. Friends, this is what I offer you today is the best gift you can ever receive. Totally free. Ultimately though, the way that I sum up the gospel typically is just four simple words. And I think this is what can be the breaking point for those of you who may not follow Jesus is these four words, Jesus in my place. I deserve to be up there. I was the one who made the mistakes. I deserve to be hung on a cross, but yet Jesus took my place so that I could have a relationship to be a child of God, a co-heir with Christ. And for those of you who say you're in the second group, hey sellers, I've received Christ. I believe in him. I'm following him. My challenge to you today comes from the later verses in John. See, John chapter 20, if you would like to flip there, we'll be there in just a second. John chapter 20, almost the conclusion of this whole gospel, this whole letter written so people would believe Jesus Christ has just died. He's just been hung on a cross. He just rose again. And we join the disciples in a pretty tricky um, circumstance. John chapter 20, verses 19 through 22. On the evening of the day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. See, we join the disciples in a pretty weird circumstance. Again, I don't know, I wouldn't quite say this is biblical, but this is where my mind goes when I hear that the doors were locked. I picture back on the cartoons that I grew up to Scooby-Doo. They're in this room, the monster's outside, they somehow find a full suit of armor and they stick it on the door. And they grab the couch and they stick it on the door and they grab the chair and all of a sudden you turn around and there's no furniture. The doors are barred shut for fear of their life. What if the Jews come to kill me? What if the Romans come to kill me? We've got to close the door and all of a sudden, <laughs> Jesus appears. Now John doesn't go into detail. Does he go through the door? Does he float up from the floor? Does he just, I don't know how it works out. And Luckily, Jesus says the one thing you probably need to hear when you see something like that, hey, peace be with you. Chill, chill, it's, it's me, it's Jesus. You see, see these? It's me. And all of a sudden, he flips the script of the story of this book. Because this whole book of the Bible points 
to Jesus coming and being the true light. And all of a sudden, the story changes. John 20, 21, even as the Father has sent me, even so I, Jesus, am sending you. Sending you. The disciples. I mean, let's just take Peter, the one who had denied Jesus three times already that previous week. The uneducated fishermen. The ones who had done so much wrong, who easily could have had Jesus said, hey, you're gone, you're done. You messed up too many times. No, 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 Jesus says, you are sent. See, for us here at North Star this year, we have an incredible opportunity to be this to other people, the light telling them about the true light. This year in our college ministry wave, we've seen incredible growth, not just numerically, but spiritually. We've seen people go from death to life. We've seen people take leaps in spiritual maturity. We've seen people who have been carrying around shame and baggage for years from traumas that they had faced in their past. And they came to know the Lord, not because of anything we're doing, but because unlike ever before, college students are desperately looking for hope. And if I'm honest with you, I don't think it's just college students who are searching for that hope. I think it's your neighbor. I believe it's your friends. I believe it's your family members. And this year, a year unlike any other, we literally get to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Christmas Eve is, is canceled for here in the physical at North Star's campus, but guess what? You get to watch online. You get to invite somebody to watch with you. Let's, let's even take the crazier step. What does it look like for you? Again, not North Star, but you, the individual, the family, to invite your neighborhood over to watch Christmas Eve. Oh, sellers, I'm going out of town on the 24th. Perfect, we'll have it available on the 20th. We want you to know that you can be the light this Christmas season unlike any other year before. Because ultimately, friends, this year, instead of we go to church, we are the church. And the physical walls have been closed down for some time. We've got some people in the room now, but we can't do Christmas Eve in person. What does it look like for you to be the hands and feet, to be hospitable and inviting others in so that they can find the hope that you have found? Paul, I think, wraps this up really well and puts a bow on what we've been talking about today. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 25 says this. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Friends, instead of wishing 2020 would come to a close and that you'd receive a participation trophy, how can you be active in working to the salvation of others as to receive a crown? How can you bring others along in this journey to show them the true light this Christmas season?
How can you leverage the areas where God has already placed you so that others can become a part of the family, a child of God, and find their way home? See, North Star Church, this year, unlike any other, you are sent. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, I thank you for who you are, God. I thank you for your son who was there in the beginning. And though he was there at the beginning of creation, he was rejected by man, God, but that didn't stop him. He didn't say they didn't want me, so you know what, I'm just gonna live my life. No, he said, I'm gonna go die on a cross for everyone in this world, no matter what problems they have, no matter what sins they've committed, God, regardless of our family status, our morality, our good deeds, God, you died for us to become a child of God. And all we have to do is enter into a relationship with you, to begin to follow after you, to begin to live our lives, turning from sin and growing to be more like your son. So God, I pray this Christmas season, we begin to have this burden to see those around us come to know the hope that we have. God, because ultimately we're just beggars telling other beggars where to find bread. God, would you soften our hearts and show us how to be more like you. God, thank you for sending your son in obedience to the Father, empowered by the Spirit to proclaim the good news of God. And thank you for allowing us to join into that each and every day. And it's in your name I pray, amen.